0: you have probably let go so that you can let God and now it's just Jesus and you and if it's that if that's the case for you it's it's likely that or possible that your Christianity has become distilled to a few cliches because after all, God, you know, can be your co pilot and <laughs> If something bad happens, all things work together for good because when God, you know, closes the door, He opens the window. My hope for you and my hope for me is that you can do better than Christian cliches. Because for so many people, the best they have is what they hear on Christian radio stations. And they hang on to these little slogans that have no basis necessarily in reality. And it's my hope this morning to anchor your faith in something far more real than a cliché or two. In doing that, I hope to point you away from yourself and point you to God. Because it's very frequent that we would think about our salvation and we, in, in, our, in terms of ourselves. We just sung about how we need to be washed and how we're sinful or how we are afraid we might die. Or any number of ways of thinking about reality with respect to me. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of our lives are lived with regard to ourselves. Where we're thinking about us more than we're thinking about the people around us, more than we're thinking about how things really are, they become about us. You know, you you sense that somebody's upset and what happens? They become immediately upset with you. Even though it has nothing to do with you, it's just the way that we spin it because we're the center of the universe. It's as though when we think about our faith, that we expect to someday walk through the pearly gates. Okay, a few more cliches here, right? We're going to walk through those pearly gates and what's going to happen when we get to heaven? So it's all going to stop, right? Whoa, Scotch here! Now, I suspect there will be some people surprised, but that's not what I'm talking about. The main event in heaven is not going to be that Scott gets there. The main event in heaven is about somebody else. And if right now, your faith is not about somebody else, you're not going to be ready to get to heaven. You're going to get to heaven, and it is going to be a completely foreign world to you. Because ultimately, our faith rests not in us. It doesn't have reference merely to us. Our faith rests in someone else. And by resting in someone else, gives us a firm anchor for our soul. I have given my life that you, church, might delight in God. New Life Church. The passion of New Life Church is that we all would come to delight ourselves in God. Which means we love Him for who He is. He is objectively delightful. It's beyond what happens to me and how I feel. And if you think about that, it's, that same is true with the people in your life. Okay, I mean, God is categorically different, but just for the sake of illustration, pick somebody who isn't. Okay, Say the people in your life, your family, people you love. I'm guessing that for those of you who are married, there was a point in time when you fell in love. Right? What do you mean by falling in love? How I feel when I'm around you is wonderful. That's what falling in love means. And guess what? That doesn't just keep going and going, does it? And ultimately, ultimately, the reality of your love is not how you feel in that person's presence because love is ultimately not about you. Loving someone is really about that other person. It's about their character. It's about their, um, their joy. It's about their compassion. It's about their objective beauty. It's about their sense of humor. It's about the, the, their intelligence or how they affect the the people around them. It's the things that you admire about That other person ultimately anchors your love toward that person. It's them, not you. How you feel about it is going to come and go. Yet, all of these Christian cliches that I was talking about, all of them find their way back to me. They all find their way back to to how I feel about being a Christian or about how it's just so personal, me and God. When in reality, it isn't really about me and God, it's about God. And He, by His grace, includes me in what is real about Him. And so my, my hope is this morning, as we look at what i think might be the most beautiful text in the entire new testament especially the uh, about salvation that you will see that ultimately what is here gives you reason to love god it provides for you it provides for you this rock an object of your faith that is worth believing in And so I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, we're going to see uh, that salvation is not so much about us as it is about God. It is about us and it does connect to us in the same kind of a way that a tree connects to a forest. To get the big picture, this is what I want to do this morning, give you the big picture, and then next week come back and enjoy what that means for the tree. But I want to give you the big picture of the forest this morning by looking at Romans chapter uh, 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So my goal this morning is to show you the beauty of God as manifest in the person of Christ in order to save those who believe. Now, make no, make no mistake. What, I, what I'm hoping to put on display for you this morning is something that has eternal and infinite benefit for you if you grab onto it by faith. If you believe it, it will make all the difference for you. So, I'm not going to press you to make this about you. But don't forget to. Don't stop short. Don't say... Oh, yes, that's, that's great theology. It's not great theology except that that great theology means that God has done something wonderful for me. So good. get it all the way home here, but I want to make sure that you see it clearly before we get it all the way home. And so, to make sure that you recognize, and it's not just me talking, right? That you recognize that this Salvation is about God. We're going to highlight a few of the things that God says about your salvation. He says, first of all, in the very first phrase, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest. Meaning, that the business of salvation is about God making evident, making clear His character. Now that, I mean, some of you might have never heard that before. When someone talks about salvation, talks about being forgiven of sins, being born again, any of those things, what so many of us hear is, oh, that's good for me. What I'm telling you is that the, what that means is that God is doing something uh, intentional to communicate His own character to you, to the world, to the uh, to all of heaven, so that we might see the righteousness of God. So when we talk about the righteousness of God, what are we talking about? We probably have some sort of theological conversation at this point, if you like, and use big words that probably none of us understand. But I don't want to make it harder than it needs to be here. Because it doesn't need to be hard. Because even as you look at the word righteousness, okay, it starts with the word right. Okay, so let's just, let's just go that far. The righteousness of God means that God is right. God is right morally. God is right in all that He says, in all that He does. God is the One who is right. He sets the standard for rightness. And so, His character is by nature right. And what He is doing in the person of Jesus And through the events that we celebrated last weekend with Good Friday and Easter, what He is doing there is He is showing that He is right. For now and forevermore, He'll be right. And this righteousness of His, He is now making uh, known apart from the law. So, what you have on your laps, what every um, Jewish person who, received, who was part of the church who received this letter in Rome, what they had on their laps was the Old Testament Scriptures, the law, which Deuteronomy 4 says, does make known the righteousness of God. It does. Um, it is characterized by being righteous. So every, every Jew who had uh, received it, who had it, who identified themselves with God's people who were the ones who had the law, they would, they would think that righteousness comes from the law. That's why in verse 20, he's talking about how the, through the works of the law, no one becomes righteous. That's why that's important. Because that was their assumption. And now he doubles down on that assumption and says the righteousness of God is manifest apart from the law. There's something beyond the law that's right. Now, don't make a mistake. The law and the prophets point to what is God's righteousness. They bear witness to it. So this righteous law does point us to the one who is righteous. And that's what God is making known in person of his son. Okay, just in case we're still not clear, he picks it up again. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are talking about God here. Not about you or me. A very, very different perspective on salvation. This is a this is a a perspective that is looking at the rock saying, if I can make it to the rock, if I can get the hold of that rock, I won't sink. That's different than saying, I'm drowning. And So we're talking about the rock that we just sung about. The righteousness of God is the topic. God making known to us His character. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ. Okay. Now, there is no question that through faith in Christ is the thing that connects you and I to God's rightness. No question about that. In fact, it says that at least three times in this passage. The very next phrase, for all who believe. It's there. So, we, we can all say the way that you get connected to the righteousness of God is through faith In Christ. Now, having said that, I think it's probably better to translate this short little phrase through faith in Christ differently. You'd use exactly the same... uh, Paul would have used exactly the same Greek words to communicate um, something that could be translated differently. And And it would be translated like this. The righteousness of God through... The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Those are translated exactly the same Greek words, and it's just the, the English people making the decision, what's he talking about here? And so he's talking about the righteousness of God may manifest apart from the law, the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that's a better understanding of this text. And the reason I say that is because that's what this text is about. Number one. Number two, we're already told that faith in Jesus is the thing that connects us to what this text is about, and so we don't need to be told that again. But this is through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so, we go all the way back to the start of Romans in the Gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And so, God is revealing His righteousness in this Gospel and we are to somehow connect ourselves to it by faith. And here, the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ is made known. This is also the way that he describes the um, righteousness of God in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What do we become? The righteousness of God. In other words, we connect with Jesus; we become righteous. That's what this text is all about. How does that happen? It happens when, because Jesus was without sin. So God made Him who knew no sin to be sin. That's what our text is about. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. This righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus is what um, the rock is all about. It's what the center of salvation is all about. So that Jesus has done all that God demands in the law. Jesus has done all of the right Actions, said all the right words, done all the right thoughts, so that His rightness or His righteousness can be granted to everyone who believes in Him so that the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ is for all who believe. That's the way that the righteousness of God travels to those of us who believe. God's character made known in the person of Jesus who perfectly fulfilled all of God's righteousness so that when we believe, His righteousness is counted for us. Because there's no difference. We've, we've seen this before between Jew or Gentile. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now here, if there ever was a phrase, it's going to be about me, it's going to be about this one, right? For all have sinned. And that's that's the thing I'm the most conscious of about myself. I look in the mirror and what I see looking back at me reminds me that of my sin. And so I begin to think about sin and all of the things that breaks in my relationships, all the things that breaks in my hopes and dreams, and all of the things that sin does to me that I don't like. And I think he's talking about me here. Except that he defines his terms, right? And he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin has reference not to me and how I feel so much as to God. For all have sinned and the problem is they fall short of the glory of God. Bring us all the way back to the beginning of God's story. In Genesis 1.26, when God said, let us make man in our image, in the image of God, He created a male and female, He created them to reflect the beauty and the glory of God in community and in dominion over the world so that the world would have a representative of who God is and the glory of God would be seen by the world. And it lasted about a chapter. And in chapter 3, what did Adam and Eve do? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I'm using Romans language here, right? If you remember, I'm using Romans language. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped the creature rather than the Creator. They suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And they disbelieved God and fell short of His glory. They fell short of who they were created to be In this beautiful relationship with God. The problem with sin is that it causes us to fall short of what God requires and of God's perfect right character. The problem with sin is that it has reference to God. So just like salvation is about God fundamentally. So is His remedy for sin. Because sin is fundamentally an offense against God Himself. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And, okay, here's another pointer to who is important here, right? And are justified by His grace as a gift. This hope I have of life, of being fully alive, of eternal life, this hope I have is a gift of grace from God. It's not part of my demand. It's not part of my character. It's not really about me. It's really about Him. they are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So it is a fact that that God has rescued us from slavery to sin and redeemed us, pulled us out of there by Jesus. That is what God has done. That is a gift of His grace. He did not have to do that. Now, I'm just going to stop. When I say God did not have to do that, I hope that you can understand that. Because one of the things that makes me crazy... Is the way that people view God. And I, uh, I do way too many funerals, okay? and the reality is, all of us will have one one day. But what happens too often is that people conceive of God as this, this, this um, heavenly grandfather who invites everyone onto his lap and gives them chicklets and candy. And what he does is he just sort of um, winks at his grandkids and says, you know what? Boys will be boys. No big deal. They don't really recognize that God's character requires a different action than this Santa Claus-looking grandfather's character requires. And so people hope that they're going to get to heaven then, having not thought at all about Jesus, having completely dismissed Him or ignored Him, they hope that somehow they'll get up there and their grandfather in the sky is going to offer them some kind of eternal checklet. And you know what? That, they are in trouble. Because God is different than that. And in order order for God to remain right and redeem sinful people from their sin, He had to do something and He put forward. Again, notice God's action. God put forward. He took the initiative. He solved the problem. He pursued us. He put forward Jesus Christ as a propitiation by His blood. The person of Jesus is a propitiation. And I'm, that is a word that you'll probably never use and you won't even find on... Um, uh may not even be able to find it in the dictionary. Who knows? But uh, put forward as a propitiation. Propitiation means the satisfaction of wrath. And see, one of the ways you're gonna, you're going to get... And I'm going to talk a lot about this next week. You're going to understand if you really believe this is what you think you need to do if you think God's angry with you. But that's next week when we look more at the tree than the forest. But see, most of us do perceive that God is angry with us because of our sin. And what has to happen? God, it says, put Jesus forward to satisfy that wrath so that we don't have to worry about God's anger any longer. God satisfied His wrath through the blood of Jesus. And you connect to that that counts for you when you believe by faith. It's received by faith. And then it says, why, why, did he, why did He try and solve this sin problem by taking His wrath out on Jesus instead of you? In order to show that He's right. We're back to the main theme again. So that God's character is on display in the cross of Jesus. And why does God 's character need to be on display? Because God's character would otherwise be compromised. and this this is the part this is the part that I think way too many people miss when they hope they're going to get to heaven apart from Jesus. It's because God's character was compromised if he was simply Patient with people, if he simply let their sin go with no consequences, his character would be compromised if he was forbearant with them for no reason but again, I want you to I just want you to see before I start talking about the 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 place this puts God, I want you to see that the issue again is god 's character now I mean and this is sort of the you might say the, the good side of his character, right? It's all good. But this is the one we perceive to be good. We, we, we're not too sure about his righteousness, and his holiness and all of that. But we got this other side of his character that's love and mercy and, well, to use this word, forbearance. That's good. We like forbearance. But his forbearance poses a problem For his righteousness. And all of a sudden we recognize God is different than us. God is bigger than us. God remains right and forbearant at the same time. He passed, the problem with his forbearance is that he passed over the former sins. I don't know if you've ever given any thought to the fact or to the to the question of how might abraham be in heaven well abraham was well, he was a father of the jews right he of course he gets really he's the one who you know lied about his wife being his sister and blah you know blah 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 he, i mean he just, uh, he is crazy so was jacob i mean samson sinned with delilah david sinned with bathsheba how are those those folks have any hope for heaven? I mean, most of us would probably say, probably. Well, how are they going to get there? Well, maybe they went to the priest and the priest, you know, got rid of a goat or a sheep for them. But the Scripture clearly tells us that the blood of sheep and goats cannot take away sin. God passed over their sin. On what grounds did God pass over their sin? On the on the on the grounds that He somehow lowered the standard for them because they were favorites, because He liked them. See, most of us most of us are a little unclear on this. This is the problem. If God lowers the standard in one spot, then God has compromised and. God has compromised His rightness to, to compensate for our wrongness. And He's come over here. But what the cross of Jesus tells us is that God's righteousness remains firm and God has corrected our wrongness by making us right through the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus' rightness is granted to us and we are adjusted, you might say, to being right. Because if not, he just simply passes over it and it's a problem for him. But again, he wanted to put Jesus forward to show his righteousness at the present time. This isn't merely to... to, to make heaven wonderful in a future time? This is so that everyone sees and they're clear at each funeral service that the hope of the deceased person is firmly planted in the substitutionary death of Jesus so that Jesus took the wrath of God so that the, the person that passed away in this case is free from that wrath. That's where hope comes from. It doesn't come from a wish that people might end up in a better place. It comes from God maintaining His rightness by putting His Son on the cross as a propitiation for our sins to rescue us from the just penalty of those sins. In fact, here's His character again. So that He might be just. And... The justifier of the one who believes. What's at stake here? The character of God. And he has to have there has to be two, you know, effects here of the cross. One effect is that God remains right or just. Okay, right and just, righteousness and justification or justify, all these words that you see swirling around these pages, they all come from the same idea, and that is to be made right. So that God might be right. And He might be the one who makes others right through faith in Jesus. He might be just and the justifier. Because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be just one or the other. If he were just one or the other, he couldn't be one or the other. See, that's that's the thing. If He compromises His rightness to save, He loses His ability to save. If He only remains right, then He is that fearful, vindictive, um, frightening, wrathful God that we fear and He doesn't save. But He does both. He, By putting Jesus forth as our substitute on a cross... Judging our sin on him instead of us, he is a just he is just and he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It has been my goal this morning to focus exclusively really on the character of God made manifest in the gift of His Son. That God is able to save because God remains right through the faithfulness of Jesus who when we are united to Him in His faithfulness by faith, we are made right. And so it is the rightness of God that saves us. That's what I've tried to show you. Because that's the rock. That's, that's the thing that doesn't sink or break. That's where you do not perish if you hang on to it. But I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss the connection there. And I don't want you to, to fail to bring it all the way home. Because all the way home is simply this. He is the justifier of the One who has If you say, you know what, I get it. I see how, how God can save me through Jesus. So I trust Him to do that, apart from the law. If you will do that, He will save you. And He can save you. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel that reveals to us the righteousness of God from faith for your faith so that you believe it ultimately. Because ultimately, being a Christian is about believing God. It is not about impressing God. And I trust that you will see enough about how beautiful and impressive God is that you'll just simply say, I believe Him. That's, that's really how this gets all the way home. So let me let me pray for you. And um, if you if you want to talk with somebody about this or pray about this or something else, there'll be an elder up in the front that would be happy to uh, pray with you uh, either during the music or after the service. So let's let's just pray, Father. I I do hope and pray that each person here would be really really clear about your. Ability to save, about your character, to save, about your love that will save them, and Father, about your rightness. God, would you, would you cause us to be impressed by you? Give us grace to anchor our faith on something more substantial than cliches. Thank You that You conceived in Your wisdom and Your mercy for in Your forbearance and Your righteousness a way to be right and to make us right. And we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.